Seasons greetings. Welcome to Seasons. Seasons stands for Southeast Asian American Sons. This is the show for exploring the experiences of Southeast Asian Americans through the lens of two Southeast Asian American sons. My name is J N, also Jason, and my co-host is Yang Lor. Hey Yang, welcome back to another episode.、Uh, so as we're recording this, it's still May, Asian Heritage Month, or All the various acronyms.、Uh, how are you celebrating it, or how are you doing? Man, I, I used to celebrate、uh, AAPI Heritage Month quite a bit when I was an undergrad and even a graduate student because I went to institutions where there were vibrant、um, undergrad Asian American organization as well as、um, you know university centers on campus.、Uh, since I've been an instructor, especially here at UC Merced, you know we end our semester in early May, so we don't actually get a Chance to really celebrate AAPI Heritage Month, so a little bit sad,、um, but it's great to see a lot of people posting about it. You know, it reminds me just to you know think about my identity as an Asian American to really celebrate the achievements、um, and really help promote the visibility of、uh, Asian American groups that are often underrepresented. And so it's great to see all the different、uh, things that are happening in our community、uh, to celebrate the diversity of Asian American communities. How about you? Campfest now is in May. They moved it ever since、um, maybe four years ago. So、uh, it was great to actually see people again and go back to the fest. And、uh, I actually,、uh, I mean, I'm involved with them throughout the year, but、um, going to the festival is a unique experience because you're able to meet the filmmakers and the community and the people out there. Did you get a chance to、uh, watch any film this year? One that they played、um, that I screened was Jeanette. Lee versus she also is known as the Black Widow. She's、mm-hmm. the、uh, pool player from like the nineties who、oh, dominated、okay. the scene. I just saw、yeah. that recently about her、um, on an ESPN post. They actually、yeah. had a post about her. I'm like, wow, I never knew about that. She she calls it breaking balls,、uh, playing pool. <laughs> so that's like her joke. I had a magazine that I think they only published two <laughs> two editions called Sam, which stood for. Successful alpha male, and it was it's kind of like the maxim for Asian American males. But、um, she was on the cover of one of it, so I brought the cover and she she autographed it. That's great, though. You know,、uh, you know, it's AAP Heritage Month. You went to Campfest.、Uh, it's an event to celebrate、uh, Asian American films. And today we're going to be talking about、uh, a film about you know Southeast Asian Americans. So you want to introduce、uh, what the film is for today, and then we can. Uh, you know, discuss how it's relevant to the experiences of Southeast Asian Americans, um, especially uh, you know, as refugees. A great segue. And speaking of Cam, this documentary we're about to review was produced by them. Back then, it was called NATA, which was the National Asian American Telecommunication Associations. But Cam、uh, is short for Center for Asian American Media. Cam produced a documentary back in 1995 called AKA Don Bonus. It is a documentary following a Cambodian American in San Francisco. He documents his life, and before vlogging was a thing, this is something maybe relevant in that way. So, it's produced by Spencer Nakasako. He was also credited as one of the directors, but the subject and filmmaker, who is Sokli Ni. Who in the film is referred to as Don Bonus, hence the name. So throughout our conversation, we'll just refer to him as Don as his preferred name. It's a film that 
really explores the refugee experience from a first-person perspective. And this is specifically located in San Francisco, California, and in specific areas of San Francisco. So it covers Galileo High School, a location called Sunnydale, their Tenderloin, and the Sunset. So I think we can just talk about some of our takeaways from the film. Uh, Yang, do you want to start with a point or what you got out of the film? Yeah, I'll, I'll start off by this is, you know, I've watched this film before. Uh, and it's a different set of emotions from when I first watched it. I remember as an undergrad, I was an undergrad at Stanford University. And there's the there's a lot of um, there's the absence of Southeast Asian American visibility and my courses, but also like uh, and films as well. And so I think AK Don Bonus was one of the first films that I watched that was about the Southeast Asian American experience, the refugee experience. And it reminded me a lot of my own experiences growing up in a high poverty uh, area with the, you know, where there's a lot of crimes as well. Um, and, you know, so what I enjoy about the movie was just, you know, so at that time when I first watched it, it was great because, you know, we're, when we're young, we're trying to find a sense of identity, who we are, trying to figure out who we are. So the film, helped me to ground myself. You know, I was at uh, Stanford, and so it was hard to figure out, you know, I identify as Asian Americans, but I felt like Asian American didn't fully capture my experiences as a refugee, uh, as a poor uh, Asian American. And I think AK, AK Don Bonus was so uplifting to me because I was like, my experiences are represented. And so that was my emotion when I first watched the film. The second time around is much different. You know, I'm much more established. I feel like I'm comfortable in my own skin. And so I watched it from a, a different perspective. And what I enjoy about the film is, um, you know, last week, the previous episode, we we read The Late Homecomer by Kao Kalia Yang or Ngo Kalia Ya. And it was from the perspective of, of a female narrator uh, telling the, her, the story of being a refugee and then coming to the U.S. and acclimating to life in the U.S. Uh, this is a film. And so when I think about the two different medium, um, you know, with writing, people are able to make sense of their experiences at a later point in time. Whereas for the video, you actually get the raw emotions right away. And I think I, there was a lot of, uh, I feel like different types of emotions uh, throughout the course of the film. Um, you know, of course, there's a lot of crime and violence. His family is subjected to violence from the neighbor. Their house was robbed. Uh, you know, uh, his he talked about how his nephew was shot at. His brother had to move away from that area uh, because it wasn't safe for him. Um, and so there's a lot of just difficulties that the refugees have to deal with living in these high poverty uh, communities. So I really appreciate it, just se sensing the, the raw emotion. And even though the film is really about the narrator, he incorporates the different uh, perspectives of, of different people in his in his life. So we, we know about the mother, uh, you know, who lives separately from the family with the, her partner in a different part of, of the city. We learn about the brother that, that runs away. He's part of a gang. He runs away because it's not safe. And then we also learn about another brother who's more successful, but who, who lives in a different part of the city um, and much more isolated. And so here you're beginning to see that these families are not monolithic. They're not all the same. They have their own identity. They have their own aspirations and they deal differently uh, with the different types of trauma that they face or with the different types of difficulties that they 
encounter uh, in America. So I really liked th that those different perspectives. And what I appreciated uh, from the film was just also the, the resilience of of the narrative. You know, Don is facing so much. He has a broken family. Um, he has to deal with so much crime. Uh, there's so much, so many things to worry about. And in spite of all of this, he is still enjoying life as a high school student. So he's filming his high school experience. He's filming his prom experiences. Uh, and so in spite of all these difficulties, he's trying to live a normal life as a high school teenager. Um, and I just can't imagine how I would deal with such difficulty. So um, I think for me, those things kind of uh, uh, stuck out to me as I was watching the film. Uh, how about you, Jason? What are some of the key takeaways or, or things that you took away from watching this film? I agree with a lot of your points. Uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, just growing up. Uh, I, for me, the, what stands out the most is just the technique. So the film, it's it's almost like a home movie because, you know, when you watch home movies, it's just like one of your parents just pulling out the camera and just recording things happening. Almost like a vacation too, where, you know, you just, you, you, you know it when you see it. It's just, you're recording something that might seem mundane, but then there's something happening. And then, you know, sometimes people are looking and they're like, what are you recording? And things like that. So, uh, but it works as a film because I think Don had a specific story he wanted to tell. And I think it's a, a tribute to him maybe being a natural storyteller in that way that he was narrating his life, but he was also documenting things that supported his life. So he showed us along with telling us uh, what was happening in his environment. So uh, his home, he was recording at school and uh, mind you, this was back in the 90s, so it wasn't, you know, what we think of as recording with our phone from our that fits into our pocket. This was actually a video camera that you have to mount on your shoulder and look through a viewfinder. So it's a very, you know, laborious process if you're going to just like uh, pick up and start recording. Like you kind of have to be purposeful, but at the same time, you do want to be natural you want to you want to pick up things and not um interfere or like call too much attention to yourself and yeah like i mentioned earlier it, it was it predates reality tv and vlogging it's almost like the two combined because it was uh broadcast on pbs and i think my family knew about the film and i think we watched it together i don't really remember but um it was one of the first films i i felt that represented a Cambodian-American perspective. In 1984, uh, The Killing Fields came out, and that's a Hollywood story, and it is about Cambodians and Cambodian-Americans, but it was more uh, of... You could almost see it as a foreign film, in a way, because uh, Cambodians portrayed in that film were seen more as uh, people in the country and maybe a period piece because uh, it was just a couple years after uh, the genocide that was occurring in the country. So uh, it's a different context. In this one, it's, you know, I wouldn't say a spiritual sequel, but it's more of a Cambodian-American's perspective uh, made by a Cambodian-American as well. So that really positions the viewer in the narrator's story as it's being lived. It's not retrospective necessarily. It's more of, this is my life. Uh, let me show you and invite you into it. Um, 
different from social media now, but uh, maybe predates it in that way. When when your family and you watched the film, do you remember what kind of reaction they, they had towards this? Because I think for us as you know, young Southeast Asian American that are college educated, sometimes we receive these films differently. Um, whereas you know, our parents or community might, might think differently about it because for them, it's it's their daily lives. And I, I think for us as um, young professionals, or even at that time when I first watched it, I was a college student. I was away from my home community. Um, and so the film was nice because it gave me a sense of home, like uh, reminding me about my upbringing. Um, and so I, I'm always like wondering, like, how do people who live that on a daily basis, you know, to them, like, you know, it's it's life. And so like, why make a film about like routine things that happen on, on the daily basis? But for people like us who grew up in that kind of circumstances, but we were we're far removed now. Um, it's not part of our daily lives. I think we have a different approach to it. We find it more meaningful. We find it valuable. Um, but I do think that sometimes when you live it day to day, there's nothing significant about it. That's true. And I think what makes this story stand out as well was that it was one of the first times maybe people might have seen Komori Americans in general, like in, in person, so-called, because the population isn't very big and it's very concentrated. So if it was uh, broadcast, then this could be in, this could have been the introduction to uh, viewers of who Cambodian Americans are or Cambodian people that came to this country as refugees. So I think some scenes that stand out are the Cambodian New Year tradition. So. You see it in a garage. Uh, I don't know exactly where it was held. It was in San Francisco. And I think it was, um, they rented out some space. But at least you saw some of the dance. You heard some of the music. So you you got some cultural aspects in addition to the struggle they were facing when they came to this country. And the other part of that, you heard the uh, Khmer language. Uh, Khmer is the what Cambodians call themselves along with the language. So by hearing it and seeing some traditions, I think it'll, it makes it more normal or acceptable that there are other cultures here a lot in addition to the ones that have already been established. Um, so I think my family, when they viewed it, I think they did get a sense of recognition, being able to be on screen, but also get their stories told in a way that is representative of who they are and their experience. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys watch it on PBS at that time or was it just uh, from I a different... So. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I think that matters quite a bit because when we see our people being represented on, on like regular TV, that makes that's a big deal. Even if it's just like the regular experience, like things we see on a daily basis. But knowing that our, our experiences are now projected to the rest of the world, that can be a powerful moment, even for our parents. And especially, especially for us, understanding how powerful um, TV is. Yeah, it's kind of funny too, because I think, I don't know if it's the same with um, other cultures, but for Cambodians, they were always, you know, they'll always nitpick something. It's just like, oh, that translation. It's like, oh yeah, no, it's like, the, it's like, <laughs> it's like I thought it was fair, you know, everything seemed fine, but it's almost like beholders of the tradition or something. And on that note, you know, so I feel like it, it does a great job of, uh, you know, exposing us to certain aspects of Cambodian culture. It does a great job of, you know, capturing the difficult circumstances that refugees are often uh, put under when they arrive in this country. Uh, you know, San Francisco, the Tenderloin, it's a well-known area for high poverty, crimes and, and drugs. 
Um, and so you, you definitely see the family coping with that. You know, what I thought was missing, but this is part of like a, a documentary first person is that, you know, they can't go back and, you know, um, include clips or media about the, about the history. Because I think the history prior to America is so essential to understanding how the parents are coping and how potential trauma can be passed down onto their children. What, what are your thoughts about that? The, um, that we, we, we saw what, what's happened in America, but I just feel like that, that history, because of the particular format, it's a documentary, it's a first person documentary. So if Don doesn't talk about it, we don't have much knowledge about, you know, wh like why are Cambodians in America? Are they just like any other immigrant group? But they have a very unique history of, of, of escaping a particular violence, of, of escaping genocide. That's true. It, if it wasn't represented, it could just be because of the format and the style. So a lot of more uh, educational documentaries, I think, include the things you mentioned as far as clips and interviews. However, with this format, it was definitely more of uh, a youth Piece. So I think the closest we get to that idea of the past is uh, around halfway through to do the film. I noted at 36 minutes, 30 seconds, uh, Don interviews one of his brothers, I think, or maybe um, a different community member. But he talks about the truth. Uh, so he talks about Nixon's secret bombing in Cambodia mm -hmm. and He's not necessarily a very articulate person. When you watch it, you feel like he's saying something that has info in it, but it's he's he's not conveying it in a way that's very clear. Yeah, it doesn't so, seem as credible, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, who is this guy? You know, we don't know who, you know, but he's he's talking about the truth. And I think it's he's almost, critical. I think he's critical. I feel like too often people take the like the, the mainstream narrative about what's happening here. Is he He's actually being very critical of U.S. involvement in Southeast Asia. That's true. And it's a perspective from someone that was affected. So if, if people are looking for the truth, then it's going to come in different ways. You know, it may not be from a textbook and it may not be clean cut. It's going to be a little gritty and you're going to have to dig through it. And I think it kind of represents that in a way as he's talking about it. And it's a good part in the film. I'm glad they included it because it's presented in a way that's very uh, natural because Don is... Uh, so if you haven't seen the film, Don is in an apartment with a group of people and then he's just doing an impromptu interview and he's just asking people their viewpoints about, you know, their life. And the the guy he interviews is funny because he's talking about reality. He, he specifically talks about reality and then Don yeah. asks... Um, what is reality? And he, he talks about that's talks a great, yeah, yeah. great section on like philosophical questions about what is real, you know, what's reality? Yeah, and, and you know what? That's real, actually. You you have to sport your haircut throughout your day, and he and he talks about how a cheap haircut is gonna look cheap, and but he ties it into something serious and. Um, this goes to that point about credibility, like, wait a minute, this guy's, is he, you know, he's a silly guy or what, but it actually is a good point and it's a valid point because it is, uh, the past that we don't see much more in the film. So at least we get a glimpse of 
what it is that led to uh, the population being here. Yeah, I think that was an excellent segment as well. It's just that that section where he's interviewing people about, you know, how to, you know, his, uh, I think they were in the, the apartment of his sister-in-laws. They're talking about how do you raise kids to be successful? They went to a, a discussion about uh, what's reality. Um, so yeah, that, that that was a great little segment right there. Yeah, I think it definitely could have been, like if it was a different type of documentary, it probably would have included the um, clips or B-roll or news footage of um, the bombings and things like that. So another main point that you mentioned too, that I'll also touch on is the refugee experience with the Cambodian perspective that poverty and violence goes together. Uh, a lot of times uh, in the documentary, Don talks about not going to school because it does. he doesn't see the point. Because if poverty exists and there's violence, what purpose is school? A lot of times this talks more about maybe the formality of school that you go through it so eventually you'll get a job. But it doesn't affect their actual reality at the moment. So why is everything they're learning for the future when they may not have a future? So that's something to think about with education. And, um, you know, I guess maybe an interesting point for you, Yang, with, you know, being an educator, is that something you feel like you uh, witnessed either as growing up or, you know, being in the educational field? Why is it always about saving it for later versus, you know, uh, using it at the moment? Yeah, I just felt like, um, you know, even as an educator, I try to make my, my learning relevant and meaningful to my students at that particular point in time, but I feel like just in life, people always tell us to think about the future. You know, um, your parents tell you how to live your life. And this is how you set up for the future. Your teachers tell you, learn now so you can become successful in the future. It's always about, it doesn't make sense now, but it's going to make sense later. Like do as we say. And I think, yeah, I think you make a good point that you know, for people trapped in these conditions where the future might not arrive, where do they place their priorities on? Like what's important to them? And so I, I think that's an excellent question. And it gets at, you know, if we want to make schools more meaningful, more relevant, um, how do we do that? And this film, I think, does a good job of helping us explain why why some students become disengaged. I mean, there's so many things happening outside of school where they can't focus. Yeah, There's one part in the film where he had a he arrived at school very late the next day because he was um I think um uh, someone threw a rock through the window and he was waiting for the cops yep. the whole night he couldn't sleep and so th these are also issues that now we're beginning to address like mental health issues like trauma like the idea of trauma things like this we didn't think much about because you assume that something happens and then um you know it's in the past but all of our experiences shape how we think about the world. So if you if you're anxious about certain things, you know that's probably rooted in some particular experience you have. So, yeah, yeah. I, I do think that uh, you know I, I think it's great to to have more and more um, you know Southeast Asian uh, scholars and practitioners start thinking about the the trauma that's passed down as a refugees uh, and how not only parents carry that but also children carry that as well. I think also having community members be part of the structure uh, helps. A lot of times, uh, at least in the movie, all of his educators were more, uh, you know, admin and staff like that didn't necessarily represent the population that was going to that school. 
So if you actually got community members in, I guess you could call positions of power, you would uh, hope that at least they could understand the situation because they either came from it or they know people uh, involved in different types of communities and lives. So it's not seen as a judgment. It's not seen as, you know, students being lazy or youths not being active. They would actually come from a point of understanding because they either live through it as well or know people that are in those same conditions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of times, uh, you know, teachers and administrators are often interpreting student behaviors through the lens of a middle class person. Mm -hmm. Like if if you're sleeping in class and somehow you're lazy, you're not motivated. Or if you're not showing up to class, then that means you don't prioritize prioritize school because middle-class children are supposed to live uh, in these safe neighborhoods. And all they have to worry about is um, the education. But that's um, unfortunately the reality for a lot of low-income students and especially immigrants. And then we're talking about refugees is, you know, you, you you have the responsibilities of an adult. You look after yourself, you got to, you know, for Don, he's mostly home by himself. And so you imagine he has to take on those responsibilities that are traditionally delegated to parents. But when, you, when your, your, your only parent is absent, you take a lot of those responsibilities and trying to manage that with going to school um, is, is, is arduous. And um, folks in schools, um, they don't understand uh, these obligations and responsibilities that children who are low income or children of refugees and immigrants um, have to carry. That leads to another point about you hear it in the movie about the system. So a lot of times you hear the, the term the system. And I think in this movie, it particularly pertains to certain aspects. So to me, it means school, police and government. So with school and police, those are things that affects the poor community in different ways. So uh, just like Yang's point with school, it's a matter of how do you maintain your grades if your life situation gets in the way. Also with policing, that's another issue. Uh, We hear about it more now, but this was happening all the way in the past too, that they don't necessarily respond to low-income communities or... Uh, very quickly, as we saw in the movie. Another point is the government. So as far as that goes, there could be many takes, but at least in this film, there was more of a positive because uh, they talked about how they were in a poor community and they got robbed and they were being affected by it. Eventually, they had um, housing authority step in and then they were offered Section 8 housing. Then that got them to... Uh, upgrade their living standards by moving out of the poor community and into the sunset. So you saw their house and it was a two-story place with a backyard and, you know, it looks like the proper house. Something that people would aspire to, um, something that you would imagine a, a normal house would look like. So that was a positive then that they were able to benefit from from with government assistance or part of the system. So part of the system was like the the poverty and the crime, but another part of the system was some assistance that they eventually got. Yeah, and I think that brings a good closure to the film because all throughout the film is really about these uh, different struggles, different encounters, crime, violence. Uh, and then there's an incident where the brother um, is arrested for attempted murder for 
apparently trying to de defend himself at school. He brought a gun to school, uh, shot at someone. Uh, I don't know if it hit that person or not, but he's arrested, mm -hmm. put in juvenile hall, uh, and I think he was sent um, outside of California uh, for prison. Uh, and so, you know, it's just like, you know, what sometimes life is, there's no um, like good ending in life. It's, it just continues. Um, but at least in this film, we recognize that despite all these difficulties, the, film, the family is able to move from uh, that tiny apartment to a bigger apartment eventually uh, to a house where Don actually has own room and there's a, a backyard. Um, things we take for granted, um, you know, uh, as young professionals now, as a refugee, just being able to walk outside and not fear for your life um, are, 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 you know, luxury items. Part of the film, too, that I think really just uh, stands out I think, and it also wraps it up as the idea that he really wanted just simple things. <laughs> like throughout the movie, he just wanted a loving family and a safe home. So at least that kind of came together, even though his brother was sent away, there was a moment where they reunited. And I think it led to a fun moment in the film. It was like an impromptu music video. Uh, uh, it was like Peter Santerra, I think. Um, but it was like, the, it was music playing in the background and then we're just singing along. And it was a nice moment in the film that brought the family together, even though they were still in the cramped apartment. And by the ending note, at least he was able to achieve a part of his, what he wanted. So in some cases... Happiness really is just the simple things in life. And we see it in the film. And it, all, you know, you don't have to go through a struggle to appreciate these things, but a struggle does put these things in perspective. Yeah. And I, I think it's great uh, to watch films like this because as young professionals, we get so caught up in our work. Um, it's always about chasing the next step. You know, you reach one milestone and, the, you know, it's like there's something else you, you want to uh, accomplish. Um, and so you fail to appreciate the things you have that weren't previously available. Um, and so I think this film just reminds us so much of how far we've come. Um, and to really be grateful for that, to be appreciative of that. And yeah, it makes me, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, force me to think more about what, what can I do uh, kind of to, to give back to other communities that might be going through a similar situation as well, because, uh, just because Southeast Asians are more established now uh, doesn't mean that we no longer have any refugees or, or immigrants. That's right. It's a matter of the lived experience, but also reciprocity or just human kindness, being able to recognize suffering in others and being kind hearted towards each other. Okay, so I think that leads us to our new rating system. This is a constantly developing system. So <laughs> the current system I'll announce and then we'll we'll go with it and then we'll, you know, don't don't be surprised if there are changes later. So our current system is called CSUN rating. So we're gonna rate it based on if it's satisfying or lacking, and then a assign a flavor to it. So, Yang, do you want to go first? Different flavors are savory. Mm -hmm. um, that that means that the movie is has a, a substance. It's it's nourishing. It's inspiring. Uh, and then if we label it sweet, it's a fun, lighthearted, humorous um, text or or movie. 
if it's bitter, then you know the the text or the video we're talking about here is dramatic. Uh, it makes you feel like strong emotions of, of anger or sadness or sorrow. Um, and if it if it has a sour taste, uh, it's uh, it it's unpleasant or hostile. Uh, and then salty references, uh, you know, a movie or a book or reading uh, that's reactionary or, or polemic. Uh, and then bland, it has no flavor. Uh, I think it's very fulfilling uh, of a film to understand the experiences of refugees as they seek integration into American society and just how many obstacles they have to overcome uh, and uh, you know how much hope you have to have in order to get through these difficulties. So I think it's a it's satisfying film for anyone who wants to understand uh, the lived experiences of refugees in this country, especially uh, Southeast Asian refugees um, in a in a, a city uh, that has a lot of crime and violence. Uh, for the taste, um, I'm going to give it a um, savory. I think it has a lot of substance. It gives us a lot of information about um, the refugee experience. Uh, and I think being a refugee myself, as I mentioned previously, when I first saw this film, it's very inspirational to me, um, seeing my my experiences or the experiences of other Southeast Asian American refugees represented in film makes you feel like uh, you're visible, uh, makes you feel like you exist. So um, I, I think it's de definitely savory. So I agree that it's both satisfying and savory. It shows and tells life of a refugee. It has good storytelling and pacing. You learn and are entertained at the same time. A lot of the content is very, it develops. So as you're, as it's developing, you're invited and it feels lively. So it's not like you're being preached to. And so you're entertained and it captures a moment in time. So it looks the way it feels in its full VHS glory. So when I think of the past, it kind of looks like this video. There's still VHS tapes at my home and my parents' home that would look probably just like this. It's just not edited. So it'll be eight hours of SVHS content probably flickering uh, on the screen that you need an older monitor for because it just wouldn't look great on HD or anything like that. So it's a little bit gritty. It's very authentic and sincere. It's a little bit raw. So if you like your savory a little bit raw, then it's there. It's something you can learn from and it's not too long either. So easy to watch, have it on at some point. I think it's almost should be required for Asian American studies or specifically refugee experience, because at least it's a story told from the perspective of the person telling it versus anything you know else that might come along in a different way. So author authorship is very important. Great, so thank you for the assessment and thank you all for listening. Uh, be on the lookout for our next episode. Uh, it should be out within the next month or so. Until then, see you next time.